You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today, I've got John Pullman on the show once again. John's a contributor to Ducks Unlimited magazine and ducks.org. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. I'm bringing John on today, just kind of get everyone fired up a little bit more as the season gets closer and closer and closer. Uh, we're going to talk a little early season duck hunting, but with a focus on teal. Uh, you know, blue wings really kick things off for most people around the country, and, and John just happens to be in a, a fairly blue wing rich environment there in South Dakota. And he recently wrote a little piece for the magazine and for ducks.org that's in regards to being able to accurately hit blue wings when you want to, which as we all know, anyone who's duck hunted enough, uh, they can be some of the most humbling birds out there because they're small, they're very agile. And for some reason, when they come in flocks, people just whiff on them all the time. And I think that has something to do with it. But John, let's kind of start out with these tips for shooting teal. And the first one that you brought up is is what I kind of alluded to is picking one bird and let's just talk about picking one bird out of the flock sure you know i mean i think it any any type of bird that you hunt that that you know flies in a flock whether it's ducks geese or you know partridge up where i live or anything like that anytime you have multiple birds in your kind of your sight window it becomes it's, it's one of the, the the first things that people tell you to do is you got to pick just one you know you're the, that the rush of seeing so many birds in in one spot you can kind of get 
uh, excited and, and just flock shoot, but that just does not work well. And so, you know, the, the two gentlemen I spoke with in the article, Mark Stevens, Tony Vandemar, both of them talked about how lesson number one is that when those birds come in, as they're coming into the decoys, coming into range, lock your eyes onto one bird. And, um, and, and that's, that's just really step one. And from there, you know, they've got some other steps kind of moving forward, but just it's, it's easy to get caught up in the moment, easy just to shoot into the flock. But the very first thing you got to do is pick out that one bird. Yeah. And, and locking onto one bird, even that gets extremely difficult, especially because it's usually pretty low light conditions. Um, teal tend to fly pretty early, uh, right at shooting time. Um, and, and even if you can identify these birds, which, you know, you should be, as they're coming in, it's even in a large flock, picking that one out of the shadows sometimes it's difficult. And I know where you hunt in South Dakota, you're probably sitting on a very shallow water, a little marsh that's more than likely surrounded by cattails or, you know, some type of higher, a little bit taller vegetation and picking that one bird out of the, out of the flock is probably pretty difficult. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's, you know, the way that teal approach the decoys to, you know, um, you may see them off in the distance and, and you get an idea that they're coming in, but you know, you know, especially where I hunt there, they're swinging behind you. And if you're in a cattail marsh or whatever, and you're, you're down below the reeds, or even if you're on the shoreline of a slough, whatever it is, you know, those birds, they have a tendency to appear and then disappear. And then whoop, all of a sudden they're on you again. And so it just, it, it again, it adds to that challenge of, of, you know, it's easy just to stand up and, and just to shoot into the flock, but do what you can to lock onto that bird. And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, like I say, that's, that's really the first step, but it is a challenge and there's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Kind of the second thing that you talk to, uh, you know, these experts about that is, is maintaining the focus. Um, once you get your eyes on a bird, you know, maintaining that focus and that, that kind of lends itself to, um, losing it in the shadows and whatnot. But what, what else did, what else were these guys talking about as far as maintaining the focus? You know, I think it's one of those things where uh, it's the, the thing that stuck out to me was that, you know, when you have your eyes on that one bird, you don't switch off of it until you have swung through and you've made your shot and then you switch off to another bird. It's, it's, it's uh, one of those things that um, maintaining that focus on, you know, as soon as you start switching from this bird to that bird and this bird to that bird and back again, all of a sudden you just kind of, you know, you're just going to fire away and, and chances are you're going to miss. But, you know, they... It's it. When I was talking to these guys about the article, it was just so easy in my mind to go back to you know flocks of birds that I can remember where I've got one bird and I you know I may miss on the first shot or miss on the second shot, but on that third shot I connect. But you just you 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 stay focused on that, and you almost when you're focused on that bird, you can almost get that feeling that you know you're gonna you know you you know you're gonna hit it. Um, you just when you get locked into that zone, and so you know again they. It's one of those things where um, when you when you switch back, you know, you it, it impacts your lead. It impacts your, you know, when you switch your focus, it impacts your lead. Um, it it you're, if you're switching the barrel from one bird to the other, whatever it may be, um, it just kind of interrupts the flow of things. You know, we do best as hunters when it's it's kind of one motion. It's it's all a, a calm, collected, focused motion. You know. Um, I mean, those are the moments when I know what, when I squeeze the trigger that I want to be on that bird. And so, um, you know, there, there are challenges as hunters and blind and when you're in the blind, especially if you're hunting with other people, you know, if you've got birds, uh, you've got your bird, um, the picked out and all of a sudden you're on the left side of the blind and all of a sudden that bird switches over, goes to the right side. 
you know, in front of your hunting partner, you know, where you'd have to swing in front of somebody else. And obviously those are instances where you're going to have to make a split second decision to, to switch to another target. But if at all possible, stay on that bird until it goes down, until it hits the water and then switch to another target, you know. And if you do miss on all three shots, which does happen every once in a while, that's just the way it goes sometimes. But uh, maintaining that focus is critical. Yeah, I've had several instances, uh, especially I've, I've hunted down in Louisiana. Actually, you and I have hunted together down in Louisiana yeah. along the coast yep. uh, several years back. Uh, but, you know, I've had several instances down in Louisiana where, you know, there'll be two or three of us in a boat and we'll pop up to shoot. And I've got my one bird. By the time I get my gun to the shoulder, that bird has folded. I'll find a second bird. By the time I get a, a good beat on that bird, it has folded. And then, yeah. you know, everyone's kind of looking around like, wow, what a great, what a great. decoying flock you know and i'm looking around like i didn't even take a shot so yeah i mean maintaining that focus is something that you know people should really do all the time and uh it really really pays dividends when when shooting a teal um in the article you referenced the four b's and this was from uh, nra shotgun coach explain what the four b's are yeah, well, you know, and Mark, uh, Mark Steves' his name, and when he, he mentioned to him, it made me laugh, you know, uh, but it, it really does make sense. And his, his mantra, his, his simple saying is, butt, belly, beak, bang. And it all comes back to, you know, tracing that target through the air, um, staying focused on that bird. But those are kind of, that's kind of the process in your mind, swinging that barrel through the bird, that you're on its butt, you're on its belly, you're on its beak, and you swing through, and that's when you pull the trigger. And it, I, I thought it was it's a great saying, and it's something that he um, practices when he goes out to the range, whether it's uh, sporting clays or trap. Um, Mark really spoke highly of the skeet range because he says that that produces the kind of targets that are just consistent, uh, you know, consistent speed. Uh, or excuse me, it, it, it allows you to practice with some consistency because those targets are, you know, kind of coming from the same spots, but it, it, um, he's a really, a big proponent of the skeet range, but really anything, sporting clays, uh, trap range, skeet, whatever it may be, keeping that, keeping that mindset or those four words in your mind when you're, when you're looking at those targets or tracking those targets, but belly beak bang. And I know it's something that I'm, you know, I'm practicing this summer on the off season, uh, using that, that very same. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a, a great tip and, and it really gets people to follow through with their shots too. I think that's something I've talked with Phil Berzeli, our shotgunning columnist many times that a lot of people miss because they're just not following through. And even with yep. these, you know, really fast acrobatic targets, um, focusing on following through is still a very important aspect, even if you're, you know, in, in the follow through is even more important than getting that second shot. Um, you know, I've talked with Phil about that many times and, and these four B's, uh, could really pay dividends for sure. Um, you talked to Tony Vandemore, uh, he, you know, he's been on the show once or twice and, uh, you know, he's a big teal hunter in Missouri there. They have a really good, really strong teal season. Um, you talked to him about knowing what works and, yeah. and this, as far as his gun is choke, you know, the equipment that he's using, uh, kind of explain what, what Tony was explaining talking about as far as knowing exactly what works for him and and even what works for you yeah absolutely you know when i when i uh, called tony and spoke with him about things uh you know this is one of the first questions i asked him and he it, his answer surprised me to be honest with you but it made more sense when i when i thought about and i thought about my own you know kind of my own uh time with the shotgun and and hunting um you know he said you know i i was expecting him to say you know 
switch to a more of an open choke and, and, you know, change this and change that. But he said he doesn't change a thing about what he uses outside of the shell, which I'll get to in a second. But in terms of the gun he uses and the choke combination, he uses the same thing from September teal through the, their last day of shooting mallards in, in December. And it, and it really, it makes sense. And, 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 you know, what he hinted on was that it, he knows where to put the, the, that barrel. He knows it's just, it goes back to that confidence thing where he he has the that sight window that you have when when the bird is in your you know as hunters we just kind of narrow our focus down to that bird and he knows exactly just through a process of just doing it over and over and over again he knows where to put that bead of the barrel he knows where to you know he knows when to pull the trigger and he has that confidence that he's going to be successful and you know um, the last few years I have. I've tried making a switch to a sub gauge gun the last few years. And I know Chris, you, you've talked about that in the past about shooting 28 for teal and, and whatnot. And I've tried moving down to a 20 gauge for, um, for my duck hunting, just because I, I wanted something new and, and, and I want to try some of these new loads they had coming out. And, um, but there was a period of time where I just really struggled with it. And, and, um, I would always go back to, you know, this shotgun that I've used for the last almost 20 years. Um, because when I put it up to my shoulder, I just knew, I, I knew when to pull the trigger. I knew where to put the barrel. It just, it was, it fit and it felt familiar. And so, um, you know, even this last year, um, uh, doing some late season hunting, um, I was trying to do some, you know, some research on some different loads and I just, I wanted more than, you know, it was one of those things where I wanted, I knew I wanted to get my dog some retrieves that day. And so I left the new gun at home. And I took out the old standby because I just knew I would, I felt I would be more successful with it. And so obviously, you know, if I spend more time with that different gun, it's going to become more familiar and, and hopefully it's going to be something I'm going to be able to use in the future. But, um, you know, going back to Tony's point, you use what you know and you don't, you don't change that up. Like I said, the one thing that he does switch around those is shot size. And, and that makes sense. You know, a teal, um, as a smaller bird, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to knock one down. Um, you know, Tony will, will move down to like a size six shot or maybe even smaller if he can find it. Um, you know, for a couple of reasons, one, it, it does give you a few more, you know, a BBs out there, uh, you know, for the, for the target. But the other thing is that it doesn't, in, maybe doesn't, uh, um, ruin the meat as much, you know, using a two or a four shot or a five shot or whatever, moving up to that six or even smaller, hopefully we'll do a little less damage to the bird. And, um, like Tony said, I know they're one of his favorite birds to, uh, to cook up. He makes these uh, teal Philly sandwiches, you know, with some provolone cheese and peppers and onions and stuff like that. And so I know, and 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 same thing for me. They they're uh, they're a good tasting bird. They're easy to make on the grill and whatnot. And so that's the one thing he does change. But overall, the idea is that you just stick with what you know, whether you're shooting September teal or December mallards. Um, it, it and it does make sense. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. 
Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside. You know, I did do that. You mentioned that, you know, I did a hunt last year. Uh, actually it would have been two years ago where, you know, we showed up and on a teal hunt in Texas and the company that I was with was like, all right, we're shooting 28 gauges. And I'm like, I've, I've never shot a 28 gauge before, you know, in my life, I've never shot a 28 gauge. And they passed out a 20, these short, you know, little bitty, it was actually a Mossberg uh, SA 28. And, and this, this gun is, is very compact, uh, super light and passed out two and three quarter size six bismuth and we just mm-hmm. um, everybody seemed to shoot really well with it um right out of the gates which is surprising for hand you a gun you've never shot before but i think it was the the very quick to shoulder uh compact gun really helped uh we sure. were you know in a texas rice field which is i mean people have seen images of the you know texas rice field style hunting which they call them ponds down there uh but it's it's usually good decent sized flocks of blue wings coming in you know all morning and uh and have being having the ability to get the gun up and swing through maintain the focus and shooting that smaller shot size i think really paid dividends that kind of opened up my eyes um to switching up to the smaller shot size just to kind of go along on that on that smaller shot size and smaller gun i did have some success with them last year and matter of fact the first ducks i shot last Last fall on the opening duck season, where you know a pair of blue wings over the decoys with a twenty gauge. I so I I know that those those guns will. I know it will work. That sub gauge will work. I know it, it will produce results. But I just know that personally, I need to spend some more time with it before I can produce the same results that I've had with my you know brown and gold twelve gauge that I've shot from from Saskatchewan to Maryland to Arkansas to wherever. You know, I've, it's got a lot of miles. It's had a lot of shells put through it, and so. Um, yeah, just take it just for me personally, I know it's going to take some practice. Yeah. Just like everything. It's going to take you building the confidence in yourself. That's all it is. Yeah. Yep. You know, as we, as the season progresses and you know, you, you end up having the opportunity to spend some time with Teal, uh, during your regular season, but as your season progresses, um, and you start getting into some of the, the big ducks, how, how do your decoys change? If you're up there, you know, you're hunting the prairies, how are your decoy spreads kind of changing from, teal and you know say gadwall pintails you know some of the birds that you're you're predominantly hunting up there um how do your decoys change from that i know some guys use all 
you know, hens or, you know, focus on all teal decoys mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, what kind of variations are you doing with that? You know, for like, and I'll go back to that last, uh, my opening day season last year where, you know, from my scouting, I knew there were mallards in the area. And that morning I discovered there were more mallards than I thought there were going to be, but I knew it was going to be predominantly blue wing teal, some pintail stuff like that. Um, early season for us here in South Dakota is different. You know, our opening day is different than opening day in Missouri or Arkansas or Kansas or places south, in my opinion, for a few reasons. But primarily, you know, I love calling ducks. That is what I, if, if it's just one of my favorite things to do. There's nothing better than hitting a five note, seeing that, that Drake mail or whatever it is, you know, turn his, turn his neck and, you know, uh, turn his back and, and, and uh, come back into the decoys based on what I'm doing with the call. It's just hands down my favorite thing to do. But early season here in South Dakota, the duck call is really, is just not very um, effective. Um, I, I mean, that doesn't mean I won't make it. It won't, doesn't mean I'm not out there, you know, you know, you know, or doing feed and chuckle or whatever it is, but it's not that effective. And so they just aren't, whether they're not social or whatever it may be. So what I, what I really put an emphasis on then in, in the fall and those early couple of weeks of the season is that I want my decoys to be as visible as possible. I mean, I want to be on the X. I need to be where those birds want to be because uh, chances are I'm not going to be able to bring them in with, with the call. So I want, I need to be on the X. And if I can't be on the X, then I need to be as visible as possible. And so that opening day last year, um, I was in some really kind of a, really a uh, shallow water situation. There was a lot of cover around. So there wasn't really a lot of open, visible water. So I took out, and in all honesty, I, I had six Drake pintail decoys. I wanted something that was hmm. a little bit bigger. I wanted the color of the white. And um, I wanted them to be as visible as possible. And, uh, you know, I had a good hunt that morning. Um, and as, as the birds become more receptive to calling, I, I changed things up to be a little bit more realistic. Um, but, you know, in terms of species and things like that, but for teal and for gaddies and stuff like that early in the season, I want to be, I need to be on the X if at all possible. And then again, I, I tend to go back to visibility, you know, as we start to get about that third week in October, um, right around uh, uh, the 21st through the 28th in that area, you know, we start to usually get a calendar push of birds. And so my, my calling changes and my decoys change as well. And so I'm, I'm going to start putting out more more mallard decoys and stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, I know guys that'll just use hen mallard decoys in the, in the fall because, you know, a lot of our ducks are still in eclipse plumage. They don't have, you're not seeing, seeing Drake mallards out there with a full green head and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, they'll want to be, try to be as realistic as possible by using those drab colors. But again, I go back to, I want to be visible. I want those decoys to be, I want those birds to be able to see them, uh, you know, add the emotion decoy as possible as well. Um, but, uh, it, it, more often than not, those first couple of weeks of the season, all I'm using are Drake Pintail decoys, just because I want that flash of white and I want that um, the visibility uh, visibility factor. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point with the visibility. I know in Arkansas, as the season progresses, and uh, we you know we continue to throw out more and more pintail, and we have uh, invested in some some shoveler decoys that are have that bright white flash as well mm-hmm. that, that really really catch that sun and, and improve the visibility. So it's not a whole lot different. Um, now, when you're blueing hunting up, hunting up there, are you using a call, a whistle of any kind? I'll just, I just kind of choked on my mallard call, you know, blueing teal, the, the sound that I hear is, you know, that really a high pitched squeal uh, quack. And so I can kind of uh, choke down on my, on my, 
on my regular you know, single read or double read, whatever I'm using to kind of imitate that sound. Um, when we get green wings and stuff like that moving through later in the season, I'll switch up to a whistle. And they're receptive to that. Yeah. Um, they really are. More than anything, though, Chris, I, I, I think that in that early season, the first couple of weeks, you just have to be where they want to be. Um, calling is effective to, to a point with them, but um, it, it's, um, you, you know, you want to be in a spot where you see in them, uh, you know, where they've got a food source, you know, that shallow water type of stuff. And uh, fortunately, in South Dakota, we I mean, we are North Dakota as well. I mean, we kick out a boatload of blue wings. I mean, that's, uh, we've had the wetland conditions the last, you know, several years to really put out some good numbers. And so there are usually at the early part of the season, you know, we've lost some birds down South, but there's still, usually there are still a boatload of birds up here still, um, teal. And, and so we've got a lot of opportunities for them. Typically they're not a, a hard bird to find. And when you find some, you usually find quite a few. Uh, and so it's, it's, you, you normally can find those places where they want to be, but, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to, I'm like I say, I love the duck call. And so I'm going to, I'm going to make those sounds that I hear them making the best that I can. Um, and I do think it's effective, especially as you move later in the season. Absolutely. No, I mean, those are, that's all good points. And, and I think the key to all of this, especially early season, whether it's blue wings or, you know, some early puddle ducks that you really just want to be, uh, where those ducks and that that takes care of about 90 percent of it um but it's always good to hear the different you know tactics that people have and that's kind of one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you just to hear some of the different things that you're doing it may give some of our listeners you know some different ideas of of what to do and what to look for maybe how to call you know maybe they don't have to buy a blue wing call just choke down on that mallard call a little bit um yeah but yeah, that's, those are all great points. And I think, I think we'll probably, uh, you know, wrap this show up right there. I mean, that's good. We ran through all of the maintaining focus, the four B's, you know, sticking with the certain gear and, and the appropriate ways to approach a blue wing shoot. Um, but no, I appreciate it, John. Thanks for coming on today. This has been a, a great and, and very enlightening as far as shooting blue wings. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. No, anytime. I really appreciate it. All right, I'd like to thank my guest, John Pullman, a Ducks Unlimited Magazine contributor, for joining me today and bringing to the forefront some uh, different teal tactics that all of our listeners can use this fall. I'd like to thank our producer, Clay Baird, for piecing the DU podcast together, and I'd like to thank you, the listener, for one, listening, and two, supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. 
Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. 